for the What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? Hi, welcome to That's Deep Bro. I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, got a lot of cool shit to get into. Cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. <laughs> As uh, the very hip Garth Brooks once said, I'm very uh, saucy today. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling like, I don't know. Not the all end all shit. Who gives a fuck? There you go. But first, let's see. I got some dates to plug. September 27th, I'm uh, in Tacoma. Well, it's Seattle, Washington. It's it's like not in Seattle. <laughs> it's Seattle adjacent. All right. September 27th, Tacoma Comedy Club. September 28th, Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club. October 4th, Hyenas in Dallas, Texas. October 5th, Houston at The Secret Group. Shh, it's a secret. We can't name this club. October 23rd, Indianapolis at Morty's. Morty's. That's such a silly... I wonder... There's no way that a guy named Morty owns it. It's got to be because that's like the the comedy name, right? Like Mort, Uncle Morty, Uncle Morty Saul. Oh, God, kill me. Okay, October 24th, Cincinnati, Ohio at Go Bananas. And then December 9th through 10th, the DC Improv. And uh, that's Washington, DC. Um, not the other DC you might be thinking of. Also... Hey, do you shop on Amazon? I hope you do. Uh, if so, please use my banner. What that means is you go to thatsdeepbropodcast.com. You click on the banner at the bottom of every blog post and you do your shopping as you normally would and it just kicks back some change to my show and I really appreciate the people that have already done that. That just helps. Yeah, and I got to pay for microphones and um, philosophy books and a lot of self-help books. That shit ain't free, you know? I can't... I got to download my Wayne Dyer stuff. Go and have fun and let's get weird and uh, let's freak out and quit our jobs and go move to an ashram in India. I'm feeling like I want to do that these days. How about you? I do. Okay, let's start with um, John Lennon, who I've been really into this week. I, uh, God knows how I got here, but super into this guy. Deepball. Like this, dude. Come on. Everybody's running. I know it makes a move. Everybody's a winner. I'm so good. God damn it. Don't you hate that he's dead? Ah, oh, fucking. I think it was Bill Hicks that had that great line about um, <laughs> something about how there's no God. Because John Lennon was murdered, but Billy Ray Cyrus lives on and continues to make music. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh, kills me. So John Lennon has been in my mind and in my heart this week. I um, Really, my whole life he's been in my heart, though, hasn't he always? Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Um, 
But who doesn't love John Lennon? Anyway, he's been in my heart and in my my mind. I, I just, I don't even know how it happened that I, I got back into him. But I, I grew up with the Beatles. Who didn't? Hello. Um, always looking at my dad's music albums. And I, I've always liked John Lennon because he was the dark brooding beetle. He was the one whose mother abandoned him. Did you know that John Lennon had a shit dog of a mother? Um, he grew up in Liverpool, all, you know, poor and shit. And his mother was a total POS who abandoned him. And he was raised by his grandmother. So he's got a lot of mommy issues. <laughs> Does anybody else on this show have mom issues too? I don't know, but I really relate to him. And uh, yeah, listen, listen to John Lennon shit. If you got mom issues, there's a, there's a real good connection. Anyway, what's fascinating about him is that, right, the, the Beatles break up. He, he's hooked up with Yoko Ono, who gets blamed for the breakup of the Beatles. And you know what? A lot of people are like, that's not possible. Even John Lennon's like, it's like we were grown men and it's not possible that Yoko... She's a bit of a shit, uh, shit dick, okay? She sucks. And, I, and I've been trying to stay open-minded... I, I really, I try and like the more I watch about her and just learn about them, I, you know what I think? I think she was, I think she resented John's celebrity. I think she was an artist and she, she was a, a known artist in New York when they met. And I think she secretly resented that John Lennon was a star and not her. And, you know, uh, he stopped making music when they had a kid and he became what he calls a house husband, which is adorable. There's an interview of his that he does. Google it. No, it's on Apple Music. It's John Lennon's last interview. It's it's recorded the day he was murdered uh, in 1980. And he was my age. He was 40, which is fucking nuts to think about how young that is now to get murdered. Oh, my, oh my God. Oh, my God. Imagine that. And uh, yeah, they do an interview and he talks about it's so fucking cute. He talks about his day with Yoko and his son and how it all happens. The The course of a regular house husband day is, you know, he wakes up at 6 a.m. and he has coffee and a cigarette, which people did back then. I, I don't, does anyone do that? Any, I know, I know you fuckers listening, some of you dirtbags are still smoking. I don't know why. I mean, I used to, I smoked for 17 years and I loved it, so I really shouldn't throw stones, but he would wake up and smoke his cigarette and then his son, Sean, would wake up around 7 a.m. and they would have breakfast together. And then John would go back upstairs. And here's my favorite part. He was like, Yoko, Yoko is always working. I was up at six sometimes. She'd be working already. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Working? What? And then he's like, you know, around noon, I'd buzz down. We have an intercom. And I'd be like, Yoko. He wouldn't say be like, but I'd say, Yoko, let's have some lunch or something. And she'd be like, I'm working. I'm working. <laughs> what? Well, Yoko was working tirelessly, apparently. And then at midnight, he, she, he said that Yoko's still working. Like, what is this bitch working on? You're married to a beetle, okay? You don't have to work anymore. John Lennon had so much money. But the Beatles, that's, what, that's why he got fucking murdered. He said they're bigger than God, the Beatles, right? And this lunatic Chapman hears fucking voices in his head and kills uh, John Lennon in the street because, but they hadn't, they, they were bigger than uh, Jesus, bigger than God or whatever. And they had more money. Bitch, why are you working? Take a load off. Go to the fucking park. So Yoko was working, and I think she was managing their estate or whatever. If you guys have any question in your heart whether or not Yoko is the most annoying human on the planet, let me play you some of her art, okay? This is from, an, I'm, I'm dead serious. This is an art, an art show. Oh, my God. I'm, try, I'm trying so hard to be impartial, guys. I, I, I don't hate her. I just, I just, I don't like her. And I, and I know why no one likes her. Like, I know. And for years I fought it. I was like, no. I'm going to be impartial. I'm not going to jump on. I don't know. How dare they blame this woman? But the, the more I know, oh, and she would like jump in on his interviews and stuff. Like j just, I feel like, I feel like she would just latch on to his music and crap. Like, wait, what do you do? No, let him, let him just do his thing. Why do you have to inject yourself? Okay. Here's her and her. <laughs> if any of you fuckers listening are like, I want to be an artist but I'm not good enough. Or if you're listening and you're like, 
I, I would love to do anything creative, but I'm not special. I'm not famous. I'm, I live in a shitty town or I'm not the right shape or the right race or the right whatever. Listen to what this woman considers art and I guarantee you're qualified. Here it is. This is Yoko Ono at her art show. Sorry, I had had the volume down. Okay. This is this is what this person considers an art show. Are we done? Are we done? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have a, an aneurysm. Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying, guys? The point is, is that you're not, you're not inferior to anybody ever, you know, especially in the art world. I don't understand how the fuck that's determined. Who is what? <laughs> that's a big load of malarkey. But this Yoko, and anyway, I mean, look, do, do you guys, because th- this is fucking dog shit, right? Okay. Uh, so basically what happened is I had, I finally had Reiki. Holy shit. So I had this oh, nanny a while ago suggest that I do Reiki on my six month old uh, baby. And uh, after my head exploded from the ludicrous suggestion that a six week old can even benefit from something as obscure as Reiki, I, so I, I have this masseuse that I go to regularly and she asked if I wanted to do it. And I was like, does it feel good? That's what I asked her. She says, well, some people think it feels nice. And I go, but are there nice touches? You know, I, I wanted a massage. I think I just wanted to relax. And she goes, yeah, I know. It's great. It's like a, it's like a spiritual enema. And lights went off in my head. I was like, ding, ding, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Those are two of my favorite things, spirituality and taking a good dump. Everybody knows that about me, right? So I'm like, this is going to be a a fucking winning situation. And I lay on my back and it was like the most non-eventful thing you've ever done that you've ever paid for. Reiki is the most non-eventful thing you can shell out some bucks for <laughs> I was the whole time I, I fluctuated between um, anger uh, rage sleep boredom because all they do it's not all I'm sure there's something to it I don't understand it and I know I'm going to get a flurry of emails explaining to me what I didn't understand and I, I get it I don't get it I get that I don't get it how about that guys so she puts her hands on my chakras I'm assuming is what the practice is like on so but that what that really means is like somebody's touching your head softly and then touching your heart softly and every touch lasts what feels to be like 40 minutes to an hour and it, it lasts so long and I fell asleep and like then the other chakras get gently touched and it was just so boring and fucking slow and tedious. And I really like this woman who did it for me. And I, you know, I had to be like, that was really great. Thank you. Wow. Like, you know, when you have to fake it, that you love the, the gift that somebody gives you, which is why I don't open gifts in front of people. I'm very weary of it because I don't know how to mask my uh, emotions. I have no filter. So when someone gives me something I don't really like, I can't be like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for this utterly useless thing that I'm going to have to now store in my house and take up more space. (laughs) So, um, so we get up from, from the Reiki session and I'm, you know, I'm I'm like smiling and just whatever. I just, you know, mark it off as, you write it off as a loss. It's it's one of those losses. They were like, ah, fuck. Well, I'll try this again next week. I'll get the massage I really want uh, like next week. And, you know, we'll never speak of this again. And she's walking me back to the 
the general area, whatever this Reiki's done. And she's got her hand on my back and she's telling me messages she received from the other side as she was raking me. Apparently my mother came through and uh, had a special message for me and all this horse shit, which, you know, that's not true. Uh, She said that my mother uh, told me not to worry so much. And I was like, well, that's first of all, you know, if there was a message from my mom, it would be like, you motherfucker, or the Jews are trying to kill everybody. Or what, you know, it would be a little more in line with who she was. Your stepfather is an asshole. You know, you should try wearing a tool belt in your comedy act. Like that's, if someone told me that that's what my mother came through as, I would believe that, but she never had any words of kindness or um, anxiety alleviation in her arsenal of words, so I didn't believe it. But anyways, uh, so I go home and she goes, oh, and 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 you know she's like, you're going to be really um, lightheaded after the, and I was, I was very lightheaded, and I went home and I just felt normal, and a few days went by, and then I I. I actually, I think I did have a fucking spiritual enema because I was uh, sitting, uh, rocking my son to sleep, and uh, which reminds me, I want to talk about that fucking kid shit in a minute. Hold on, I gotta write stuff down as I'm talking, otherwise it's just it's out the window. So I was rocking my son Ellis, and I don't know if you ever have this where you're able to see yourself from the outside. Meaning like you you live in your consciousness, but then every now and then it's like having an acid flashback and you kind of float up above you and you can see who you're being at the time. You know, like I've had that shit on stage before where I've been performing and I've been so um, over the experience that I've floated up on top of myself and actually seen myself and what I was doing and being able to witness the absurdity of it and blah, blah, blah. So I was looking at myself in this whatever uh, objective state and I, I could see where I was tight emotionally. Like, uh, you know, when you, you see yourself just kind of being closed off and shitty and... Uh, worrying too much or maybe just not like I'm pinched off. I felt like I, I hadn't let the experience of, of love really course through me. And I know that sounds really fucking crazy, but I, uh, it's what I felt. I felt like I, I, uh, I'd been holding it in or something, if that makes sense. And, uh, I had this crazy realization, and this kind of goes back to my last episode of Bitches Be Lying 2. Thank you so much for a lot of your emails. Very positive feedback on that one. I was really surprised. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so scared of doing that episode, Salome, because I was afraid of being judged. Um, Afraid of being judged. uh, Because I think the point of that episode, by the way, is just that you can't have... Uh, feelings of ambivalence and still profoundly love your child and and have days where it's just not fun for you and admit to it. And I don't know why culturally we can't even admit to not being on board with motherhood 24-7. It's it's still probably some sexist taboo thing. But the point is, I realized I was withholding love in all shapes and forms. And I had the cosmic realization that uh, the the love bond that I have with my son transcends anything I've ever known on the planet of love. And I think that's why people get so into having kids. Because um, a lot of it, and this is the truth of it, and I don't, I don't know if this uh, makes sense, but I imagine this is what, it, what, having a kid is like going to an ashram, from what I understand of ashrams in India. My, my ex-aunt went to an ashram in India and hated it. And I asked her why, and she said, well, it's because, well, she's Hungarian, because all you fucking do is working all day long, you working. (laughs) So you wake up at four in the morning, you meditate, and then you scrub floors, and then you do some other work, and it's work, 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 pray, 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 right? And I got to thinking that that's not too dissimilar from having a small child, um, an infant particularly, because all you're doing is constant work, 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 because that's all it is. It, you have this immobile being at a point in time, and then they become mobile, thank God. 
<clears throat> but um, but it's constant work, and and what that does, and I think this is why people get addicted to work. Which I was definitely a workaholic before I had my son, um, or an alcoholic, or a drug addict, or anything. Is that it gets you outside of you. It gets you to stop thinking about you and the positive part of kids as opposed to drugs, alcohol, eating, whatever the addiction, workaholism is, is that there's a reward and that you get love back. So it's not just uh, a masturbatory thing of addiction, (laughs) which God knows that that's terrible. And I do feel like... uh, I just, I guess, I want to say the 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 upside to having children because I hope I haven't scared off everybody listening who doesn't have kids against having it. Please don't. Um, it's it's really not all that horrible. The time <laughs> I just I just wanted to explore the dark side of the forest in order to go to the light side, and the light side of the forest is that it does open you up um, in profound ways that you don't think or I didn't even know that there was a door there in my in my heart, in my mind, in my whatever. I really didn't. I thought I had reached some kind of, you know, spiritual and love um, height. We know of my husband. I'm beyond bonkers for Tom, you know that. And and the love I have for him transcended anything I had for anyone ever, ever. And then we had Ellis, and I think that even now it's like at another uh, crazy level. And, And I get it. And now I see why people do this. And I think for many years, I never understood why people had children. It just looked terrible. It sounded terrible. It sounded like me in the last episode. <laughs> like, who am I? Where's my life? What the fuck is happening? Why are my tits ruined? Why am I so fat? Like just the, you know, all the bad stuff. But, um, but there is a, there is a light side of the force and that is, and that is uh, the the love, the insurmountable love. And that is something, I guess this is why I'm into John Lennon this week, that if you listen to that, the last interview and he talks about being a, quote, house husband, um, that he found a lot of joy in those years of, of leaving the Beatles and settling into a, quote, normal existence with Yoko and with Sean. And there was profound joy in that for him. I think he really... <clears throat> got to experience the stuff he never got as a kid, which I, I feel exactly the same way. Uh, that's totally, totally my story. I never grew up with any uh, sense of family really, or contentment or safety or any of the shit that, I, that we have with El- Ellis, with Elvis. I've renamed him Elvis. Um, so there you go. I just wanted to kind of tack that on as an addendum to the last episode. So thanks for writing in you guys. You can always email me at that's the bro podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. House husband. How cute is that? You know, I think he did that stuff. I think he stayed home for five years and stopped making music to make her feel better. Yeah. Yoko. I think, I think he did. I really think he did. I think he did it uh, unconsciously. I don't think she said to him, Hey, stop, uh, stop being so, you know, fantastic. I think she she probably felt better when his light was dimmed just a little bit. Oh, snap. Did I just say that about Yoko? Okay, bitch. I hope Shane listening. I found a wonderful podcast for you guys to listen to um, because I get a lot of emails about wanting to become something creative. Like a lot of you write to me, how do I come become a stand-up comedian? How I, what should I do to become um, this type of artist or this architect that I want to be or whatever, whatever it is creatively. And uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote a second, I don't know, it's not her second book clearly, but it's a book called Magic Lessons. And she does a podcast based on her book, Magic Lessons. And it's kind of cool because she like mentors people who are going through a creative process, whether it's their first book they've written or it's somebody that like wants to become some sort of comedian or um, someone who's creatively stuck or something. It's, it's a really great podcast for anybody who needs um, some inspiration and some direction with the creative process. Very cool. She's such a gentle spirit, Elizabeth. 
Elizabeth Gilbert, she barely talks into the microphone. <laughs> She's one of those people who just seems really uh, content and really, really happy and like really zen all the time. <laughs> like, I, one of these people I aspire to be. Uh, I would just, I would love to be one of these people that just glides through life. Just everything's, oh, why, why don't worry? Everything's great. Not me. I have my good days, I will say. I have good days and then I have bad days. But um, today I'm okay. Today I'm okay. But I really, oh boy. Oh my God, oh my God. Elizabeth Gilbert, check out her thing. House Husband, I covered that. Um, great. Why don't we answer some emails? There's so many I want to get to. It's such a, a lot of good emails from you fuckas. Let's get into, oh, this first one, you know, and I love this because it's such a, a simple email, but such a good one. Okay. Uh, this is from a boy. I'm a 25-year-old male and I've been going through some personal issues for the past five years. Uh, hold on. I feel like I'm, ha- I'm ha- this issue I'm having has led me to losing a good part of who I am and I have been unable to get it back. I've spoken about this issue to a shrink in the past and their advice on this was to do yoga. Oh, boy. I was thinking about giving therapy another shot because of how much of an advocate you are for it. Would you suggest I reach out to a different therapist or try a different approach altogether? Yes. Yes. And I'm reading this email because so many of you go, look, I I tried it and I didn't like this person. Does this mean that I'm not, that I'm done with therapy? No, dude. No. It's, It's a relationship that you have with someone. So it's like dating. You got to date a few of them sometimes to find a normal fucking human being, okay? Because therapists are people too. They're not holy. They're not perfect. Um, and it's really, I think, a, a matter of finding the person who's, who's, who can help you the best maybe because of whatever issues they've dealt with. They're not going to tell you what that shit is because they shouldn't tell you. I don't think therapists should share their lives with you, right? Right? But... Um, definitely keep looking. That's the name of the game. Keep looking. Be relentless in your search for an appropriate therapist. Relentless. And there's all kinds out there. There's spiritual counselors. If uh, your bent is on God, there's, excuse me, I went to an existential therapist once, which was amazing. Psychotherapy, marriage and family therapist, behavioral, cognitive, cognitive, bukakural, bukaki therapist. There's all kinds of therapists. Research, Google. Um, and if you live in a major city, there's no fucking reason. You shouldn't be seeing one. And if you have health insurance, just Google in your network. Look in your network. Look on your insurance company online or give them a call and ask who's in your network. Man, it's very important who you hang out with, isn't it? It's very important who you talk to and who you surround yourself with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. There you go. Thank you, Dan Pena. You're a cunt, Brian, not me. Yep. Okay. Let's read some more uh, emails. You want to know why you're all fucked up? There we go. So thank you for writing that one in. And I agree. Yes. Go look for more. Keep on going. Okay. Let's see. Hold on. There was a great one. I wanted to read you guys. Oh boy. Oh my God. 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 There's so many people in the world. Oh, I love this one. Okay. I'm a 27 year old and have been taking care of other people's children for as long as I can remember. I'm a full time nanny and I absolutely love it and hate it all at the same time. I love the kids more than probably some of their parents do, which is seriously sad. I raise them from infancy into annoying preteen or just until their parents decide they want to socialize them more and put them in preschool. When people ask me what I do for a living, I find myself responding, I'm just a nanny. The majority of the people I come across do not respect what I do at all, and even the parents sometimes do not give me the credit I deserve. I know I'm not a rocket scientist or a lawyer, but I raise fucking people. (laughs) I do all of the things that a mother does, and I also carry my job home with me. It never ends. I'm always on call, and that's fine, but it also is emotionally draining. I don't plan on being a nanny for life, but the kids need me. Their parents need me. Um, 
Katie, when are you going to get a real job? I get that at least once a week. I would like to respond with, I don't know, fuck face, whenever you decide to stop being such a fucking dickwad, but I don't. Sometimes I feel that I am putting too much of my life on hold for the families I work for. I'm not planning on doing this forever, but I do love it for now. My question is, are these people right? Do I have the easiest job in the world and am I just a lazy fucktard? Or am I doing the right thing for me right now? It's good money and I am an amazing nanny. Maybe I'm just letting bitches get to me. Okay. All right. Well, listen, um, first of all, what you do is probably the most important thing uh, a person can do for other people who don't have family at hand, uh, like me. (laughs) Um, My husband, when he's on the road, I'm a single mom and I have no family. And I mean nobody around. It's just me and the boy. So I rely on people like you to come to my home and take care of the most sacred shit in my life, which is me and my kid. So um, if anybody doesn't value you that, that hires you, they're fucking douchebags and you shouldn't work for them at all. And secondly, why are you on call all the time? Uh, it doesn't make sense if you want to be on call all the time. I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't know why you don't you can't shut it down because you deserve to have time to yourself. Number one, that's, that's like super important. Nobody should have access to you 24 seven, nobody. And in this era of email and texting and, and everything, and I know the expectation is in, in any job that you should just be reachable all the time, but fuck that. Okay. Fuck that shit. You deserve boundaries and time of your own. I don't answer uh, emails or calls all the time. I don't even look at my phone. I try not to on a Sunday. Uh, that is fucking sacred time. And uh, uh, yeah, and I think the big issue here that I'm seeing, and again, I'm not a therapist. I just, I here's what I know from living on the planet for 40 years is that people say dumb things to you all the time. Um, people have said and constantly say dumb things to me on the internet, um, in real life. And the only time it affects me is when part of me on some level thinks that the thing they're saying is true. Not that it is true empirically, the statement that they're saying, but that emotionally that maybe I fear that like that they're validating the inside thought, if that makes sense. Like for instance, let's say I'm feeling particularly fat one day and I post a picture of myself on social media. And I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, I hope nobody notices how fat I am because I'm such a fat fucking load and I'm in like a day of the shame spiral, right? And so, of course, somebody's going to write, oh, you're seeing you're fucking fat. And then I'll be like, oh my God, like I'll read that one and that comment out of all the other ones who are like, you look great or whatever. But I'll read the one shitty one and that one will stick to me because that's in my head, what I'm dealing with at the the moment. And that's how that shit works. So if somebody says to you, uh, when are you going to get a real job? And that resonates with you as something like it aggravates you. It's because on some level you think it might be true. I don't know. Do you think you're just a nanny? That's kind of the, the impression that I get here. I mean, you say later, you go, if you have any nanny questions, feel free to ask. I feel like I should write a book on this shit. Do's and don'ts when interacting with your children's nanny. Well, why don't you? I mean, maybe, is it is it is that what it is? I mean, I'm saying that not necessarily to quit your job, but maybe is there a component that you could add to, to what you're doing to make yourself feel more creative? I mean, maybe there's an outlet that you could add, like writing a book or a blog or whatever it is to your profession that would elevate it in a way to make you feel like what you're doing is more important. Or maybe it's as simple as working for better families. Like I said, uh, my nanny's not on call 24-7. When she leaves, I respect her space and privacy. And I um, I don't know why anybody wouldn't respect yours. I think that's really fucked up. Um, yeah. Guy, what a bunch of douchebags. That's sad. I, I, I absolutely, God, if it weren't for my nanny, I would just be dead. <laughs> I would be dead. Yeah. You have an important job, girl. Trust me, um, but don't don't let these assholes just try to just post up what you're doing, man. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's see. Hold on. There's another one I have. 
that I wanted to read. One moment. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, next one. Uh, I'm a single mom of three girls, this woman writes. I recently started dating a guy. I've been separated from my ex for close to two years. So while I'm dating someone, and it's serious, we don't live together and don't share all the responsibilities yet. I have a question about dating. We spend tons of time together. He had a daughter around my girl's age. In total, our girls are eight, seven, six, and four. We both share custody. And we spend weekends together with the kids. When we don't have them, we're spending most of the week together too. We do dishes, laundry, everything we do if we live together. That all said, you have said in the past to not do this shit when you're not engaged. But I'm sure, uh, I'm not sure if we'll do that again. Both being divorced. Okay, I'm on my way to a divorce. Long story of why I'm not there yet. That's in parentheses. And are just not sure if we want to. We do talk about it and want to show our commitment, but we're not there yet. So am I fucking up by playing house in a sense without being engaged? Oh, 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 Kayla, 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 get your life. Get your entire life, Kayla. You know what I'm going to say and you know why you wrote to me. Because you know, you know what I'm going to tell you. You're asking me, are you fucking up by playing house in a sense without being engaged? And you know what my answer is. The answer is yes. Yes, dude. You got four kids, eight, seven, six, and four. Holy fuck, that's a lot of kids. And you're this dude that's around all the time with his kid, and you guys are playing house, but you're not really playing house. Now, if it's just the two of you, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. Who cares? But man, you got them kids now. And the kids get enmeshed. And it's different for kids. I mean, I remember every woman my dad let move into our house with her kid. I, I would always wish, is this my new mommy? Is this our new family? Do I finally get to have a family again? I mean, it it really does kind of screw with kids' heads, this whole people moving in, people moving out. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, I advocate not moving in together without some form of a engagement or commitment. Not for moral reasons. I'm not some religious nutbag. Not for sex reasons. I'm not, you know, hung up on that. It, it, it's really a utility thing. I just don't think that living with dudes for the women is very advantageous. It's not advantageous in the long run financially. Uh, emotionally, it's just not. And I, I say it in the long run because I know you're saying, yes, but if you live with a guy and let's say you share expenses and that's going to help you, yeah. But here's what happens, okay? Now, this is for, let's start with the singletons. Let's say you're single and uh, you're young, you're in your 20s, early 30s, whatever, and you're like, yeah, I really like this dude. I want to live with him. I like spending time with him. It'll be fun. We can live together. Yeah, totally. So you move in, right? And you merge money, you buy furniture together, there's a dog now that you both (laughs) co-parent, there's bills, there's chores, there's lives, maybe you're in school, and he pays most of the bills, right? So it's all hunky-dory until, well, maybe you're, because you're just dating, right? When you're not married, you're dating, and dating is considered an audition in a sense, for marriage, if that's the track you're on. If not, then you're indefinitely dating somebody and living with them as though you're married. It's the same shit, different toilet. So why, first of all, if you are if you don't want to get married, don't just, oh, don't live with a guy. I, I don't see why. Save your freedom, girl. Get your own place. Do it like the French do it, you know. Why have to, you know, pick up his dirty chonies and smell his dumps when he's not even your husband? Get your life, girl. Don't even do it. If you don't want to get married, don't live with them. Have separate places, but maybe you can spend the night five days a week, but just have separate places. Pay rent in a separate location is all I'm saying. Even if it's a small studio apartment, just in case shit don't work. Because here's what happens. My young, beautiful guppies, for the young bloods, when you live with a dude and you're just dating, and you have no intention of marrying, or maybe it's in the ethers, it's unclear, blah, blah, blah. 
the level of commitment that you go into that with, if it's not 100%, then you guys are just dating, but living together. And what happens when you're dating? Well, you break up. But it's a lot harder to leave when your finances are entwined and everything's entwined and it fucking sucks. And I speak from personal experience. I've done it. And I would never advocate it. And I, and I know it's so counter the sexual revolution, blah, blah. And it's maybe it's anti-feminist. I don't fucking know. I don't think so. I think the thing to do, have your own place if you're not married and just spend the night a lot. Have a lot of stuff there. Why, why cohabitate? Because you're, if you're shagging up with a dude, it's the same thing as being married, but you're not protected legally. Uh, you're not given the tax benefits of heterosexual. Oh, no, now gay married too. Um, and societal benefits of being married. It's like, um, it's like, it's like renting a house. It sucks, right? Like in a way it sucks because you've got this cool house, but it's not yours. And you're paying all this money every month for what? You have no equity in this bitch. That's what it feels like to live with somebody. And I, in the back of my mind, I think I always knew that when I lived with the guy that I lived with, even though I love him to this day, he's like one of the sweetest people on the planet, nothing against him, is that you just, you, you always, I always felt one foot out the door and I always felt that I could bounce, but it was harder to. And now Kayla with the kids, if, for someone who sounds like, who doesn't want to get married again, it, it's, it sounds like you're living as though you are getting married again and in which case just get married again (laughs) you really want to keep dating you really want to drag dudes in and out of your house you're a single mom of three girls that's another thing man you got three little girls i don't know i'll tell you what uh watching my mom date dudes was the fucking weirdest and grossest thing to to me growing up i just couldn't understand it you can't wrap your head around it Kids don't understand dating. All they know is like, are you my new mommy? Are you my new daddy? That's, that's what they get, especially if you're from, oh, well, that's the only way you are dating is if you're divorced. <laughs> um, yeah, it's complicated. I think that if you can keep their lives as calm as possible, do it, you know, as consistent and as the same, you, you try. And then again, I don't know, dude. I've never been divorced. Don't fucking listen to me. But that's my case against cohabitation. <laughs> Uh, I just don't think it's advantageous for women. I really don't. Okay, next email. This is somebody who actually wrote to me before and we had a little correspondence and this is the second time she's writing, which is very cool. Very cool. Okay, so this person's name is Brooke. Okay, and she opens with, Mommy, promise this isn't the typical I'm anxious, I'm depressed email, but it is something I wanted to ask your help with. Sometimes I find myself freaking the fuck out over death or losing someone I love dearly. It often happens at night while I'm trying to go to sleep and I just get on a downward spiral with these awful thoughts. So much so it brings me to tears and makes for a hard time falling asleep. You talk about meditation often and I think it's something that could maybe help. But when I try it, I don't feel like I'm doing it right, if that makes sense. And why am I thinking about such depressing things? I'm a very happy person, always smiling, married to the best dude a girl could ask for. But I feel like my mind is so dark and sad. This can't be normal, can it? Okay, Brooke. This can't be normal, can it? You're right. I hate to tell you, this is not normal. (laughs) This is not normal. And you should see a therapist. Absolutely. Um, cause here's why, here's the only part that gives me pause. I'm a very happy person, always smiling, married to the best dude a girl could ask for. Like when someone tells me like, oh, I'm always happy. I'm always on. It's like, well, most people, it's really hard to be always anything. And that's usually, it means something else is going on, kind of simmering under that, the smiling. Um, and a lot of times from what I understand of these things, um, when in the past I've been obsessed with weird shit like death or losing, it's because I'm not dealing with something uh, that I should be dealing with emotionally, and then it'll come out that way. For instance, um, the body will react physically when something's going on emotionally. When I was 20 years old and living with that dude, I had stomach problems constantly. Like I was shitting all the time. 
And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Is this a dietary thing? Like, and I developed um, a neuroses about vomiting. Like I was afraid of vomiting and I wouldn't eat certain foods and I wouldn't get on the freeway after eight because I was convinced I was going to vomit and this, like it was this weird thing. And turned out when I broke up with a guy, all that food stuff went away and all the diarrhea went away. So the body will manifest illnesses and all kinds of crap so that you deal eventually with what it is you need to deal with. And I think from what I understand of therapy and all this stuff, these obsessive thoughts and the um, the awful scary thoughts happen because you're not dealing with something else. And I don't know what that something else is, uh, but I highly recommend getting into a, a therapist therapy situation. You're in a major city where you're writing me from because you say so in your email. And I suggest you find somebody to talk to about what's really going on. Yeah, it sounds like there's something else. It's so funny. I have a a relative who is um, like super upbeat all the time. Like everything's awesome. I'm just tired. Like talks a mile a minute. Um, And like the house is perfect and clean and everything's perfect and you know, every birthday party for the kid is like a million decorations and everything is just awesome. And I know this person very well and I know under the surface it's just not so. And one day the house of cards will crash. (laughs) And I don't know when. It could be at 40, could be at 50, could be never. No, eventually I think people do crash uh, but you're young, Brooke. You're very young. And and this is about the time that you start going, gosh, maybe I've got some unresolved shit that uh, is floating around in my brain. Because I, I, mean, I think when I got my ass into therapy, I was 34 when I really committed. And uh, I had a lot of anxiety and depression for no reason. It was one of those things where I was like you, like, oh, wait a minute, I'm a pretty happy person. I have this great guy in my life and... Uh, why have I cry- <laughs> why am I crying all the time? Why am I full of anxiety? Why can't I sleep? <sighs> why does my stomach hurt all the time? And it turned out I had a wacky mom life situation that I hadn't dealt with yet or that I didn't even it wasn't like conscious, but my mom was a crazy person and um and I had to get into therapy to to cope from the 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 trauma. <laughs> of growing up with my mom, my mentally ill mother. So there you go. Get your life and get it into therapy. And by the way, just as a side note, meditation is not a Band-Aid for therapy. It is by no means a cure for anything. I, I look at it as an enhancement to the work I do already in therapy. It's definitely not a substitute Yoga is not a substitute. Drinking is not a substitute. Nothing is a substitute for getting down and dirty uh, in the mind and getting to what the fuck is the problem with you. All that, even meditation is just a Band-Aid, dude. It really is. It's just, it's just like, hey, I feel a little hanky today. I'm a little fucked up. I'm going to just kind of tweak a little bit. I'm going to go in here and make an adjustment. But on days where I'm fucked up, it ain't going to do. Okay, those are the days I got to go to my shrink and get in there and noodle around and figure out what's really going on. Uh, And a lot of people use meditation as they would uh, drugs and alcohol or whatever because it it feels good to not think. (laughs) Doesn't that feel good? Oh, it feels so good not to think. All right, what else do I have for you? Oh, this is depressing. Hold on. No, this is a horrible email I got. This is so sad and I don't know how to help you, but I'm going to read it anyways. Okay, this young boy, he's 24 years old. Uh, He writes, uh, Dear Maine Mommy, right now, hold on. Uh, Oh, I'm in deep emotional turmoil. I have been for about two years. I'll try to be brief. I'm 24 years old. I'm generally known to be enthusiastic, boyish spirit. I care about other people too much. And I'm an intern at a law firm in Chicago. Oh, no. Chicago. Law firm. Oh, no. Anyway, graduated three-year roommate from college. Shoots himself in the head in our old apartment during his fifth year. Oh, my God. 
He already had a job lined up at one of the big four trading companies. He felt trapped, I guess. I already had, I already graduated and we had planned for a visit that weekend. I was arriving on Friday. He ate the bullet late Wednesday, Thursday morning. His body found and everybody alerted. I arrive at the apartment on Friday. Some close friends and I venture into the basement. We find his cherry flavored brunette's vodka, half a pack of camel menthol cigarettes, and a deep crimson colored pool of blood the size of a hula hoop. Oosh. Our relationship had soured and I was cold to him for the final years, but I had no idea he was in so much pain. I hate myself for not helping, for not caring, for not being supportive. It keeps me up at night. I lost 85 pounds trying to run from the memory of my dead BFF. I look sexy as fuck, but I'm still sad and hollow on the inside. Tina, how can I stop being such a bitch, a bitch ass bitch and love myself the way I love others? Oh, mommy jeans. I'm sorry, mommy. Yeah. Well, I don't have the answer. I mean, I'm the same answer I can give anybody, which is what? Get into therapy. Absolutely talk to somebody because this is a deep one. It's a heavy one. It's very heavy. Death is very heavy, bro. It takes a long time to get over the death of somebody. Oh, the only person that died close to me was my mom really and uh it's been a year and it's still kind of fucked up and uh but i can't imagine going through what you've been through uh emailer it sucks so suicide is the worst too because you don't know why that person did that i know you blame yourself but you really can't and you really shouldn't uh there's nothing you can really do if somebody's suicidal it's like I don't know. You can't save everybody, and you couldn't have saved him, I don't think. I don't think. But you write, how can I stop being a bitch-ass bitch and love myself the way I love others? Well, okay, it starts with that. Um, forgiving yourself. Maybe don't call yourself a bitch-ass bitch. <laughs> Little stuff. Uh, compassion, dude. Compassion for yourself. Forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for others, but mostly for yourself. Forgive yourself. I think we all need to do that. You know, I sometimes I think if I just treated myself the way I treated my son or the way I treated my husband, I think life would be a lot easier. You know, we're so hard on ourselves, most of us. I, I, I can't imagine the ugly thoughts that run through everyone else's head that run through mine about me constantly. So... That being said, I you know you gotta talk to a professional. You're so young; you're 24 years old, and to have that uh, that kind of a traumatic event, it's it's pretty gnarly. I can't imagine people that have been to war how much shit they have to see. And pro- I mean, fuck, could you imagine? They're so young when they they send these soldiers off to get their their bodies and their friends blown up. Ugh, and they're young; they do it so young; they hate it. Ay, ay, ay. It's heavy, bros. But you can't blame yourself, my love. Can't blame yourself. It's not your fault. Not your fault. Not your fault. Anyways, let's end something on a positive note. <laughs> okay. My name is Alex. I just listened to Who the Fuck Are You podcast. Uh, even though it sounds retarded in the mainstream way of thinking, I think you might be secretly into the whole mind creates reality thing. What? Whoever said it was a secret, Alex, writer. I never made it secret. I believe in the mind creating everything. The mind is the origin of our existence. Uh, Without thought, we are just the animals. That's what separates human beings from the animals and the plants is rational thought. The unexamined life is not worth living. Socrates, existentialism, read your books, read your Jean-Paul Sartre, read your Albert Camus, Camus. In fact, I've done episodes explaining existentialism and uh, Camus, the myth of Sisyphus, Sisyphus, um, in my back catalog. I am a huge believer in the power of the mind. I'm a huge believer in us changing the course of our lives. Just because you grew up shitty, doesn't mean you're going to have a shitty life just because you grew up with some trauma or you grew up in a cult or in a religious thing or, or you grew up around retarded 
um, homophobic, narcissistic, alcoholic scum fucks doesn't mean that you are doomed to live a life of, of misery and anxiety. No, that's what the show is all about. It is all about finding a way to the light because you can live miserable. You can live being addicted to your story, addicted to your depression, addicted to your uh, bullshit, or you can try your hardest every day to transcend. And that's what I believe in, guys. I do. Anyway, there's the Dr. Emoto Rice experiment. I don't know if you guys have seen this guy on the internet. Uh, he, I think he took pictures of, 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 was it water drops, frozen water drops, and he spoke lovingly to one water drop and then negatively to another, and he took photographs. And it was apparent that the ones that had positive reinforcement flourished and grew and, and, uh, and, Oh my God, is that my kid or my dog? <laughs> Anyways, this guy sent me pictures of the of the Dr. Emoto Rice experiment to see if it's true. And it turns out if you have three bowls of rice and if you speak lovingly to one bowl and you don't say anything to another bowl and then you're mean to one bowl, one bowl grows fungus. Let's see. Ignore on okay, so the one the bowl he he's got this photo. I'm gonna put this photograph on thatsebropodcast.com. Uh he ignored the top middle rice bowl and there's mold and fungus. The one on the right is gross, and then the one on the left is perfect and white. And I don't know the conditions that this rice was grown in or kept in, so who the fuck knows? Your experiment means nothing. But I'm a positive thinker, guys. I don't always come across that way. I don't because I don't I don't like the uh, the bullshit of the self help movement. I think there's a lot of stupid uh, things about it. I think there's a lot of phoniness about it. But I do believe in the power of positive thinking. I do. Um, You're not the all end yeah. all shit. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I'm more of the Dan Pena school of of, of thinking. They think you're a big fucking deal. I know you're not. I know you're not a big fucking deal. No, I just believe in in I, I believe in positive thinking, but not in an airy, very inaccessible way. I, I mean it in a practical sense because I think sometimes people want to live up to an ideal of what an enlightened person is, or the ideal of what a positive person is, and that's really really irrational. <laughs> and difficult and can make you feel really bad about yourself because you're not being positive all the time. We should always be vision boarding the shit out of this and positive energy all day. And that's, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is you, you see when you're getting off your path, right? You kind of pull it back. You go, you go off path, you pull it back. You go to the negative world, uh, you go there for a little bit, but then you pull it back and there's a middle ground. So I'm kind of at the middle ground if you, if you should know. And that's it. There you go. All right, guys, that's it. It's time for my uh, kiddo to go to sleep. Yeah, thank God. And I, uh, oh, I've got a tour poster. Uh, it's going, it's on um, thousandranch.com. So all, all my tour dates are on thousandranch.com. The word thousand is spelled at T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D ranch.com. Come see me, Seattle, Tacoma, Dallas, Houston, uh, 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 Indy. And what was the other one? Cincinnati, come see me. And Washington, Washington D.C. I would love to see you guys. I'm going to hang out a little bit after these shows because it's, I'm only doing one show in every city. I don't have to fucking, you know, do five shows a night and be pumped and yeah, positive energy. <laughs> I have this really cool poster that a kind gentleman named Dan Waldron did. And it's called the Main Mother Goddess Tour, man. Main Mother Goddess Tour. And it's on my website for sale on thousandranch.com. And I'll be bringing it along on the tour too. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to put my son to sleep. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to have a snack. And it's going to be all right. I hope you have a great week. Um, I hope you listen to John Lennon. <laughs> I don't know. Don't you have to listen to him. But he does make you feel better. I'm telling you, that guy was... Uh, I think the closest thing to... No, he was genius. He was a genius. Okay. I love you. God bless. Now what? 
I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's tea, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.